Hello and welcome to Movie Film Studios, the only podcast that takes you inside the mind of two film studio executives as we unravel and then re-ravel the best that Hollywood has to offer. I'm Isaac. And I'm AJ. And this week we dive into a great Hollywood editing mystery as we discover the exploits of a lady and a tramp who've enlisted in the Great War. But before we get into something new, it's time for something old as we check in on our last feature in Box Office Report. Uh, Last week we had the first release from um, MFS Pinlight, Mm. the uh, independent uh, film studio that's been spun off from movie film studios. Uh, the film was Octoberverse, a uh, horror thriller set in the Bavarian countryside. How did that go, AJ? Uh, not not well. Not well. Now, I, last week we mentioned that uh, MFS Pinlight was going to be the independent studio with no outside interference, no marketing, yep. no sponsorship. It was the, the, the place where all of our creative ideas that were perhaps a little bit less mainstream than the stuff we usually release uh, we'd go through MFS Pinlight and be unobstructed by any interference absolutely Uh, it didn't happen the thing is it costs a lot of money to get a new uh, you know branch of the studio off the ground so unfortunately behind your back I did have to go down the sponsorship route okay uh so it's, it must be subtle it must be really subtle in the film then right uh in, no we 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 had to use copious amounts of cgi to uh transplant the logo of a very prominent german beer company onto oh, all the steins and barrels and casks of beer in the film um there is a we couldn't avoid it it's you know it costs a lot of money to make the film so there is a at at certain times in the film there is a small very unobtrusive marquee banner that comes up at the bottom with a very very small advertisement for the beer there's actual in in movie in the movie oh uh yeah look and yes at some point the characters do kind of break the fourth wall and kind of talk to the audience about the beer. But look, our creative... You're doing my head in The AJ. creative intent has not has not changed. It's still... It is sullied. It's, no, it's I will still, have none of this. It's still Octoberverse, but there is a TM and an R on the end of that as well. Um, and we do not own the uh, trademark or registered copy. But it's fine. And the film came out. Uh, it, it made... You're killing me. It made is- pin-like amounts of money. Uh, and uh, so we didn't even make money. This, this, uh, uh, we this made big, enough big beer brands just we, plastered all over our film, and we, we ma- couldn't turn. We made some money, but we ended up having to pay the beer company for use of their time and and uh, branding. I don't know how it worked out that way, but uh, yeah, I, I'm very sorry. Uh, but look, the next pinlight film we do, I I will happily do it your way no no interference this is, this is supposed to be the passion project this is we're supposed to make a loss on I, these look, films I know but I you know there's only so much passion you can put in before the money starts calling like you you you, you can't pay for films with just passion uh, and I, I you know I thought you know Isaac would be more than happy to just see the film on the silver screen uh, you know so I thought you know, I'm, I, look what I think we're going to have to do this week is make that big budget film the one that earns the money so our next pin light film yeah we take we take a 10 we take a 20 million dollar loss yep. on this one yep um just so we can keep it yeah keep it creatively different we need some None of these i assume what was heineken or uh, look, uh, contractually i'm not allowed to actually mention right. them right now just because if i do we will have to make the next film 
with their cooperation as well. All right. Okay. Uh, so just for the purposes of keeping things. Uh, All right. I mean, I'm sure the people have gone to these little independent film houses to watch it and, yeah, and yeah. seen the the banner ads just sort of like flying down. The, I'm sure there's hashtag links and everything yeah, like look, that to I, there. I mean, the thing is, you can't actually watch this in traditional cinemas. You can only watch it through the tour of the beer company. Uh, they'll it's, sit they'll sit you down at the end of the tour and make you watch this independent film. I suppose, but it's exposure. I suppose, in, in a certain sense, that actually makes it slightly more exclusive. Yeah, Me- means the hipstery kind of people that How, go and watch independent films. Yeah. How pin lighty is that? Is that that's very okay. You, you've got me back on board. <laughs> if it's only available on a tour of a beer factory that you can see this film, yeah. that makes it incredibly exclusive. Yeah, I like the rarity factor. Well, I there think you go. People are going to get on board. With I that. thought you might like that. Okay, so there, there's at least a bit of a, a sweetness in the very very sour soup that I've brewed for you. Uh, anyway, on to this week in trailers. And first trailer for you this week is Lady and the Tramp, directed by Charlie Bean and starring Tessa Thompson, Justin Theroux. And and Kersey Clemens. Let me guess. You're like the center of your people's universe, right? Indeed. Well, I've got no leashes or fences. With me, every day could be an adventure. Now, I know we have differing opinions on this trailer, Mm. and for the most part, I have been very much against the Beauty and the Beast, Dumbo, Cinderella, Pete's Dragon, uh, Aladdin, Aladdin. Lion King, Mulan remakes. I think they've all looked... Uh, especially the Nutcracker, whatever that one was, the princess, overly CG'd, overly... uh, saturated with colour. Yep. Uh, I can just imagine it being filmed on a studio that is like 99.99% green screen and it feels all soulless. Yep. I don't get the soulless feel from The Lady and the Tramp. I think it feels uh, like live action, subtly yep. enhanced with a couple of CG dogs. Yep. I get very emotional when the dogs in films <laughs> and they're being treated badly. Um, yep. Uh, and so I was surprised when I didn't hate the look of this trailer. Yeah. Now I get from a creative standpoint that it's uh, it is just a money grab from from Disney. I think it is possibly one of the the films they're going to use to launch their Disney streaming service. It's not actually yeah. coming to cinemas. No. But I feel as though when like the scraggly dog tramp gets carried away in a cart with like <laughs> prison bars and he's looking forlornly at Lady. Um, king charles cavalier puppy dog yep that i'm also going to well up with tears yep um i'm probably not going to watch this film but <laughs> sure why not uh you mean you're not subscribing to disney plus checking out what the competition is doing be- uh, before you know, they inevitably buy us out <laughs> there is always the big question with with this is why why do the remakes um, for I, the I, avengers crossover i assume <laughs> i i'm not a i'm not particularly Familiar with Lady and the Tramp, the original animation. Yep, it it wasn't in the the Disney Renaissance of the late eighties and early nineties. No, which this I was, was fifty five. Yeah, very much a child for this. Is again also never really saw Hundred One Dalmatians, which is probably one of the first live action remake animations yep. from I think ninety six was when Glenn with, Close. Uh, Glenn Close, yeah. Um, uh, and so it sort of falls into this weird. Like, I feel very strongly when they do a bad remake of The Lion King that that is a bad remake because it's such an iconic film from my childhood. But if they butcher this, I don't really care because I haven't... I'm not I'm not so attached to the original film. Yeah, but it's still 
remains to be seen as to why bother why don't why, why not just put the original lady in the tramp on disney plus which i'm sure it will, will be there they will They're probably i think at the moment it's on netflix because um, no, all of that they've yeah, been, they've been be slowly pulled it'll be gone over, soon over over the course of the last two or three years your frozens your toy stories yep. your um monsters universities <laughs> good, have, have good, all been slowly pulled to to <laughs> build a platform for disney plus where yep. where parents who were using netflix as a surrogate babysitter yep. Yep. are now also going to have to pay for another streaming service yep. to keep yep. their kids happy yep i think they're all over on uh, if you're in a, australia they're on stan at the moment so i think stan has all the disney junk rights for, for now for now i'm sure the the launch date of december 12th this year just so happens to coincide with the <laughs> date that the contract that disney signed with or stan signed with disney ends so yep, yep. So, yeah, anyway, enjoy another pointless Disney remake. I'm sure Isaac might enjoy it slightly more than the rest of them, but yeah. I certainly won't. I mean, look, Justin Theroux and Tessa Thompson, I think, are pretty decent castings, I mean, for this. I don't... I don't you di- could have cast anyone. To be fair, I actually thought the puppy, was the, the lady, was Jessica Chastain when I originally heard. <laughs> I think she has about three lines in it. Most of the narrative is done by Justin Theroux, and you just throw in, yeah, like, yep. the a grisly, wor- uh, world-weary... I think, who's the, um, who's the cowboy from... Uh, uh, the big Lebowski with the white mustache. Uh, oh gosh, I don't remember Sam. his name. <laughs> I think he's in this one. And for a moment there, I thought he was going to be the the gruff wise old. He probably does play the gruff. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. There you go. There is you it, go. He, he's in this film, right? Probably. Uh, he, yeah, he's a he's his name is Trusty, and he's a bloodhound. Bloodhound. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That's exactly who you'd expect to play. Yeah. These, these world weary dogs played by the the world-weary actors that you've seen in uh, yep. in films before. Exactly. All right, on to the second trailer for this week's episode, which is Zeroville, directed by James Franco and starring James Franco, Megan Fox, and Seth Rogen. What are you doing in Hollywood? The movies. All the movies. You recognize her? She's married to Roman Polanski. Repulsion. Knife in the water. Rosemary's baby. It's like an opera for boxing. It's about the confusion of white folks, how they think they are civilized. Is this a robbery or a movie review? I want to dedicate this to a real mother. Yeah. Roddy Lang, I'm cutting this Allie, movie. You're saying never. Honey. Honey, edit it. You teach me how to edit. I had to see it for myself. They call me Viking Man. Who's that? So, old dad, where do I start? Uh, so this is a this is a weird one. Um, we we're back in James Franco's Seth Rogen territory, but it's certainly not what you'd expect from those two. I, who, I think who last brought us? I think the the, the disaster the artist. Ah, no, oh, it was the disaster artist. Sorry, um, yes, you're right. I mean, and, and at a certain point in this trailer, it says from the award-winning director of the disaster artist. Yeah. And after just having seen James Franco on screen for a good two minutes, I was like. That's a bit self-indulgent. If you're like the, the direct, like just say, like I also directed it. Um, they you were talking about the dictator, and they did Pineapple Express. I think that's, yeah, um, Danny McBride from Pineapple Express is also uh, in this film as well. Oh yeah, along with Craig Robinson and the the usual cast of the the sort of the stoner slacker comedy crew. Yeah. Um, but I think so. James Franco is a bit of a um, 
uh, I think he studied some sort of literary thing at uh, university. Mm-hmm. He's he's very much into. I think Kurt Vonnegut is yep. a, one of those surrealist sci-fi authors from the sixties and seventies. Yeah, uh, and this has very much the same sort of feel of this weird surrealist. Um, yeah, kind of. Um uh, almost Hunter S. Thompson in a way yes. as well. Um, Fear and Loathing. Uh, so if it's not clear from what you heard in the trailer, I mean, which you're, you're it, in the, it won't getting be. Half of it, we're getting the visuals as well, and it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, it's set in the 1970s, which seems to be the sort of go-to yeah, go time. To uh, we've got Tarantino's latest is set in the similar kind of era, and sort of deals with a very romanticized version of Hollywood. This did remind me a lot of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, we also had a film I think last week, which was set in 1977 with um, uh, Melissa McCarthy and their Kitchen, I believe, the Kitchen, or the that's Kitchen, correct. yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, it deals with James Franco's character sort of arrives in Hollywood in uh, just on the on the cusp of 1970 uh, and decides to become an editor, and it's sort of uh, it's sort of like documenting the the weird transitional time it was for Hollywood and and cinema at that time. Um, there's a bit of a plot in here about him sort of discovering uh, a secret film that's hidden within reels and reels of of. Um, I think the, the th- he he keeps cutting out splices of Megan Fox. Yep. Who apparently. I think the line is she's been in every film ever made. Yeah. And I'm like, does that mean she's some sort of like immortal, like (laughs) weird sort of like supernatural woman? Or is he just being overly like, uh, I I don't, I don't, I genuinely don't know what the tone of this film is. Yeah. I think they say it's punk rock meets, um, yeah. Because there's there's overtones of them going to like this underground rock scene in LA as punk becomes a, a, uh, a staple of like this sort of like yeah. music culture yeah. in, at the same time that like this 35 millimeter films are being shot yeah. uh, and it's it, based on a book apparently yep. uh, again I sh- we probably should have read up on the synopsis of the book to see if it was actually it's, had these it's the same supernatural thing. It's, overtones I, think it's, it, I don't think there are actually supernatural overtones I think it's just documenting the weird woolly wild time that the 1970s were in Hollywood and uh, there's another trailer that came out this week um, with Eddie Murphy called Called Dolomite. Yes. And again, it's in this a similar kind of Same era thing. and dealing with the creation of black exploitation films, which happened at around about the same time. So it was a very like I think Dolomite though is like a an actual It is based on a true a, story. A, based yeah. on a true person who was a film producer who was yes. also an actor, who was also a martial artist. Yeah. Whereas I think the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and this one are fictionalized versions. Within or, real life events as well, yeah. particularly with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So yeah, I guess it's just that time. Like no one remembers what happens then at that point uh, at that time. I believe like there's a there's a cameo in the Zeroville trailer later on uh, that shows a young Steven Spielberg talking about uh, what would become Jaws. Yes. Uh, and it's and it's kind of cute, I guess. Like, it was kind of... I haven't, I can't say I've ever seen Steven Spielberg represented in film before. Right. So like, p- people playing the character yeah, of yeah, Steven yeah. Spielberg. Yeah, which is weird because he's a very prolific director and I would have assumed that by now someone would have tried to make that biopic, but I guess he's... I feel as though I've seen a George Lucas one. Who have I seen dressed up as a very convincing George Lucas? Oh, yeah. I Yeah, you're right. But I think it's probably would come from parody where they were making fun of yeah, how precious yeah, yeah. he is about his, his films. Yeah. So. Anyway, in short, we don't know what this film's about, but... <laughs> if you want to see a surrealist <laughs> punk filmmaking comedy set in the 70s yeah, with yeah. a bunch of stoner slacker comedians that you've seen in a million other things... Yeah. If, um, you, if you added, like, 
you know, slightly fisheye lenses and, and some weird animations. It could be a Terry Gilliam film. It could be. Uh, so if, you, if you're into that, go and see Zeroville. All right, on to the final trailer for this week's episode, which is 1917, directed by Sam Mendes and starring George McKay, Dean Charles Chapman, and Benedict Cumberbatch. there comes a time in every British director's life that they must do a World War One film. Is Sam Mendes British? Sam Mendes is British. Yeah. I assumed he was because he did Jarhead. He did American Beauty. Um, what was the one that he did recently? Which is the one they quote in this trailer? Skyfall. Skyfall. There yeah. you go. I assumed he was um, like from America because of American Beauty. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's just got me all confused. <laughs> that's slightly racist. Also, like, but you know, Jarhead is very much about American soldiers. Yeah. It's not not really until he's done Skyfall and a film about World War One that you think, hey, maybe maybe this <laughs> this guy is maybe not American and maybe he's not beautiful. Maybe maybe not. Um, but yeah, we 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 are smack bang in World War One, uh, an era we haven't visited for quite a while actually. Uh, dealing with a an actual factual um, battle or a factual uh, time, um, whereby. Mr. Colin Firth, who's... If you didn't recognise the voice. Exactly. That's why it gave, put, you know, chills down your spine. Yeah. Because it was the dulcet tones of... Indeed. Sir Colin, as he will be one day. Indeed. Uh, he's given a briefing to two young soldiers uh, and informs them that there is a, a skirmish that will happen at some point in the next... The next morning, morning. I believe. Not, not a lot of time. If you hear the ticking clock, it's all about the ticking clock. Got to race the clock. Indeed. Whereby a battalion will cross enemy territory, and if they do, they will be all destroyed. These two young soldiers are tasked to... Deliver hit, the message. Deliver yeah. the message of don't do it. Uh, compounding it Or is, as Admiral Akbar would say... <laughs> please don't. <laughs> please, please, please stay at home. It's going to be a difficult time for all of us. <laughs> Um, so uh, to compound it even further, one of the young soldiers has a brother who's in that very battalion who will march to their death tomorrow unless they get there in time. Q explosions, Q trench warfare, Q, uh, you know, haunting cinematography by Roger Deakins. And, and so there's two things that I really love about this trailer. Yep. And the first one is that World War One is a background to like an adventure journey of a couple of young people. Yep. You see them like at one stage, uh, everyone's charging across the um, the no man's land in one direction and they're running in like completely sort of perpendicular. Like they're not, the war is happening around them yep. and what's occurring to them is not the war, even though it's a setting for the war. And you see a lot of films where the war is the story. Yep. And this one seems to be like just in that setting. It looks shot beautifully, by the way. Um, and the second one is just the way that they do... You know, in, in every other trailer, it's like, uh, you'll get the, the title text. It's like, 
in a time and that's on a black card and then it'll cut to the scene yep in this one the it is a black card with but the the text is transparent and it sort of slowly zooms out and you can see the shot through the letters of the text as it's sort of like it, it looks really really nice and i yeah. haven't seen that done in a trailer before um it's probably not going to affect how good the film <laughs> is but the fact that they've done something original and different for the trailer you, makes me really like you're it. digging the aesthetics in this week's trailers I aren't I like you it. yeah all right oh, you, you, you put together a good trailer so i'm like i didn't we I think we talked about it with zeroville that's zeroville trailer is a bad trailer it's 30 <laughs> three minutes and 40 seconds long yeah and tells you absolutely nothing about the film really weirdly edited too which is ironic for a film about a film editor whereas but, this one like the shots look beautiful um the uh you can't go wrong having colin firth in a trailer yeah um there's yep. some interesting um ticking clock things and it's all about time yep there's some interesting word effects in here um so i'm i'm on board with this one. i probably again probably won't see it i didn't see dunkirk and this i did reminds see me dunkirk of, of dunkirk quite a lot yeah i did see dunkirk and that's a, a fantastic film by a pseudo english director christopher nolan's kind of american but he's also kind of british as well i'm fairly sure he's almost entirely british no he's mostly american what do you surprisingly. mean mostly american uh, born in america raised in america I, I, I believe he was born in america uh i've seen his first film following and it's set almost entirely in london <laughs> wikipedia says uh he's an english american film director and he has citizenship for both countries so there you go he speaks with a british accent though so that's close enough. unlike other robin hoods yes exactly uh and yeah dunkirk was great um uh, again similar kind of premise there whereby the war is just a framing kind of story where it's really more about the individual journey of harry styles uh is he I, again i don't we're not talking about I, it's not he's not the main character but anyway you get what i mean and uh, so the other two films that come to mind are the Steven Spielberg one. Saving uh, Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan, yep. which obviously Band of Brothers is very much of the same aesthetic. Yep. And then there's, a, I think, a 70s film, one of Mel Gibson's first films, Gallipoli. Uh, Gallipoli, yeah. Um, which deals with, I mean, while the other ones are World War Two films, yep. uh, Gallipoli is specifically about uh, about World War One. I. I wouldn't yes. be hugely surprised if it's not almost based on similar events because there is uh, the, the story of Gallipoli where... Uh, orders were given incorrectly for quite a lot of soldiers to go over the trench yep. and because they were um they were raiding at the long time a lot of lives were lost yep uh which happens in trench warfare yeah and and so uh this being sort of based around a similar sort of uh sort of time frame a similar sort of battle seems to to draw quite a lot of comparison there but that, i mean again that film is very much about the mateship of two people who are fighting in that war in the trenches yeah um and like us here in the recording booth in the trenches. recording trenches i wouldn't <laughs> draw comparisons between the two probably not all right those are the three trailers for this week's episode but of course before we can do anything with those we're gonna have to take a little walk over to the green room And here we are. Let's do a quick recap of this week's trailers. We have... A live-action remake of a Disney classic. Yay. We also have... A surrealist uh, pop-punk period inside Hollywood film. Yep, that'll do. And finally, we have... A... World War One drama. But, uh, yeah, I'm see, re- reluctant to call it a World War One drama because it's still like a, a race against the clock. T- a two friends race against the clock where World War One just happens to be the backdrop. Yeah. All right. Great. Now, I believe that... I think I chose last time. Did you? What was it like? It was... Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. Midsomer was the the, the, the kernel last time. Yep. So I believe it is my turn to pick. Uh, mm, bunch of good choices this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna immediately um, I'm going to immediately cancel out Lady and the Tramp. I think we've done way too many remakes of of. Uh, <laughs> I think animations. I'm pretty sure we've already greenlit the both the live action remakes <laughs> and the cartoon remakes of all of our cartoon <laughs> and live action films anyway. So. Yeah, you're right. We have. Uh, so what have we got left? We've got Zeroville and 1970. You know what? I'm going to do 1970. Okay. We need a good historical... Um, so it's, we, we keep the race against the clock. We yep. keep the, the two friends yep. trying to achieve an almost impossible task yep. against the background of something incredibly yep. dramatic and powerful and meaningful. yep. yep. I mean, we don't even have to do... It could be set in the future. It could be a future war that hasn't happened yet. I think yet. there's a lot more gravitas to to the idea that, I mean, people know the outcome of this thing. It is a world-changing event. Yep. Because I think if you, if you try and set it in the future, you kind of have to explain the world-changing event. Yeah. And, and then also explain the race against the clock. Yep. Whereas if, if there's a, a context to it that people know from, you know, the history books... Uh, then all right well how about this how about the time of uh when do we go back like way back into ancient history we've gone way back before i know we have but we haven't gone way back with two plucky individual soldiers who are okay. racing against time to stop i don't know the trojan horse from entering the, the city trojan of- horse i'm thinking i'm actually thinking the battle of marathon oh the, please explain the, the the persians invade uh at a I think it's the Athenian army is, is is trying to repel them at the Battle of Marathon. Yep. And strangely enough, the uh, I can't remember his name, uh, but has to run from Athens to Sparta to tell the Spartan army that the Persians are coming. Yep. And this is actually where the word marathon comes from, is because yeah. of this this huge long run that he had to go through um, to to warn them of that uh, the the perilous invasion. So, is there a Forrest Gump parallel here? No, I mean, Forrest Gump, he runs for the sake of running. I think the in one of the, the versions of this story, the guy who... And I, we need to look it up. I was like, oh, this is not Thilicides or... Th- uh, this, damn, my ancient history, my, <laughs> my, my year 12 ancient history teacher would not be happy that I forgot this guy's <laughs> name. Um, apparently sort of runs this distance and collapses and dies at the end of it because he's, he runs himself to exa- exhaustion. Apparently partway through, he hallucinates and see the, the winged god um, Hermes with his winged shoes f- oh, yeah. flying along beside Just him. Just mocking. Did you find uh, the name? I, I believe it's Battle of Marathon. Yes. And, uh, and what's the guy who ran the marathon? The guy that ran the marathon. I know it starts with TH. It's going to kill me. Uh, look, I, I will. I will farm that out to uh, a, an intern. To, I am an intern. That's I know. The worst so thing you about should it. be doing this, not me. Uh, but we'll find out the name of that particular character. But I think the the funness of this, I'm still getting a Forrest Gump kind of vibe because I think that the okay. whole thing is about we're watching this character run against the clock from. Where was he running from again? So he's running from. Uh, uh, there's a, a the landing point is near Athens. Right. Yep. Yeah. All the way to uh, into the Peloponnesus in Sparta. There we go. A distance of many, many kilim- uh, kilometers, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's 42.6 miles or whatever <laughs> the actual distance is. Um, it is it is actually an inhuman amount of uh, distance, something like 230 miles. Right. Which, like, when when you look at the Obviously, there's anecdotal evidence that he ran that far. Yep. But it is seems to be beyond the uh, the means of human capability 
Uh, yeah, but that's, that's part of the fun, right? Like, Forrest Gump was certainly beyond the means of human capabilities, and he still did it. Uh, and I think that that's... that's it's uh, Pheidippides. Pheidippides, there we go. So yeah. our main character, Pheidippides, and we are dealing with his run to... Is it to warn? I, I think it is it is not to warn the Spartan army, but the Athenian army needs a backup. Yep. Um, and then... I ah, mean, so he's calling for help. He's, he's, it is, it is a, a cry for help, yep. a, a, a yep. plea for reinforcement. Yep. All right, great. So I think it's it's all about this guy's heroic kind of journey, his uh, his trials and travails, and we can have some real... Let's bring a bit of Zeroville into it and have some trippy sequences where... I mean, uh, like like I said, he, he is... He's Runs to the point of exhaustion, yeah. and he's hallucinating the messenger god Hermes, Hermes sort of yeah. flying along. There's yep. a bit of fear and loathing in Las Vegas kind yep. of thing in there as well. If we make okay, this is how we make it a buddy film as well. Hermes is the buddy, so and it, no one else can see, and him. no one else can see him. So we have this like great dynamic between this like fun-loving, jokey kind of Hermes who's kind of giving our main character a bit of stick for being human, I guess, and running sure. out of pep. Uh, and you know, combined with the brutal realities of um, what what the guy's going through, which is running himself to exhaustion. So we get the best of both worlds. We get that gritty realism of 1917 with the well, not explosions, but um, you know, gritty, dark, grim landscape. Yeah. You know, his tattered soles and and his bloodied feet and and so on and so forth. And then we switch into bizarre, like weird, you know psychotropic drug trip uh version of hermes who's racing along sort of zipping around him um making fun of him and they're just sort of bantering along as well and i think that you know we can build a relationship between those two throughout the course of the film i'm actually getting like strangely enough elements of 127 hours from this oh yeah yeah all like pushing yourself to the the point of human endurance and human exhaustion yeah and using really nice clever filmmaking techniques yeah uh, in there um, I know uh, Eddie Izzard, who's a sort of a reasonably well-known uh, comedian, did this thing where he was going to run like a hundred marathons in a hundred days. And at a certain point, his like kidneys started to shut down and he was peeing oh, like this black viscous urine. Oh. And so I kind of like want to get these elements of like, this is what happens when the body starts to like oh, okay. consume so we, itself. We, we go like very um realistic i guess in, uh, in certain elements there's there's definitely the, the trippy element of him being yep. exhausted yep. But there's that moment in 127 hours where he's cutting off his his hand yeah and like when he has to saw through the nerves there's this very the, the very soundtrack yeah, yeah the soundtrack really makes you feel every sort of moment that he's going through yeah. i reckon we really need to if you, bring if, in some of those elements <laughs> into this one as well if you thought that screeching violins and horror films was uh, scary <laughs> the the screeching in uh, 127 hours when he's cutting through nerves spoiler alert by the way uh is is incredibly painful to watch yeah but at the same time it's incredibly enth- enthralling as well so yeah I, I agree like i like that kind of aspect of it and i think that you know the, just the physical toll does he stop at all or is he just i look i we we have the um the opportunity to tell our version of the story yeah because there's a lot of different conflicting historical accounts and some of them give him far more like credit for running a lot further yep um so i mean we we can we can do what we want i think the the two main things is probably like without 
obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, we're going to spoil the end of the film. Sorry. <laughs> he, he dies. He dies oh, okay. at the end yep. of it. Actually, I think he's supposed to... He runs there. He runs to Sparta and then has to run back to the Athenian army. Right. Because he, uh, and to tell the Athenian army that the Spartans <laughs> said they're not going to show up <laughs> because the, um, the auspices were not very good. Right. And so, and then he, when he gets there, he sort of dies. Cool. Um, which is... Real tragic, real tragic. But yeah. like the the twist there is like he ran all that way, and the Spartan army said no, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Something so, a simple email would have taken care of these yeah. days. But um, yeah, okay, I like that, and I think I that- think I mean a simple email is probably would have solved the nineteen seventeen <laughs> problem of warning them about a trap. But what's the most effective way of sending a message? How about we send two young boys to run through a, a like a war torn yeah, yeah. um, battlefront to, yep. to deliver? It's like oh, we could just send a text message. Oh no, I was, you know, it's, we're, we're we're internationally abroad. I didn't put on international yeah, I didn't put roaming. On roaming so. Yeah, it's going to cost a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I think what we also need to do is amp up the, the big budget spectacle of it as well. And I think we're going to have to flash to both armies, I think, perhaps. Um, I don't. I really don't like cutting away from Fidibides. You want to keep it on Fidibides? I think, I mean, again, the, the idea that there's an invading force is, is potentially the backdrop to the thing. We, yeah, could, yeah, yeah. we could, if we really want to, um, have a thing where maybe there's... Um, Persian spies within the Greek countryside yep. and, and they're trying to stop him from getting word to Sparta. Yep. And so there's there's trials and tribulations. But I, I don't think... I don't this like is... the cutting back and going, there's something ominous looming. I think we can still build up the tension okay. without really having to cut away from, oh, from I, his journey. I agree, but this is just sounding a little bit pinlighty. Like we... I think... Look, I mean, I, I genuinely think we can probably get Danny Boyle and James Franco on board for this <laughs> and make it feel like a spiritual sequel to 127 to hours. hours. All right. Uh, should we call it something along the same lines or... I mean, what are they? Nineteen seventeen. What what year was the the Battle of Marathon? Like three hundred and twenty BC. Four ninety BC. Four ninety BC. Yeah. So we could just call it. Or hmm, we. Uh, I do like four ninety BC. To be honest, would you call it BC? Or just call it four ninety? And then people's like, is this a sequel to three hundred? Or, or like, I don't. <laughs> yeah, let's just call it four ninety. Because like, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, four ninety. Like, make it vague. Make yes, it like, sure. uh, all right, it's, cool. it's vaguely sort of again because the um, three hundred is about the third Persian invasion. Um, yeah. So this is invasion number two. I think there was another one yep. that failed because of a storm in the Hellespont. <laughs> um, uh, so in in films like uh, in nineteen seventeen or Saving Private Ryan or whatever, we have the main character sort of going through yes uh, you know explosions and all that kind of stuff and and so on. Do we have anything like that here will will he go through trenches well, I don't even know if they had trenches back there, but will he go through uh, active battles or is I it just so. like a soul like soul lonely road? No I, I mean we have to have like the the um, the events along the way, the trials and tribulations. Yep. I, mean, I mean, maybe chariots, maybe horse horses, maybe yep. f- uh, soldiers. Where maybe maybe he's been tracked down and he's having to hide in a crevasse and not yep. move. And he spent like uh, he spent like three days doing nothing but running. And he's just wedged himself in a rock as like these scouts are trying to ferret him out. And yep. he's like, uh, yeah, yeah. And so he's, he's like hiding, bunkering down. Uh, he's carved out a little, or not even carved. He's just found a little hidey hole somewhere. Exactly. He's I've, struggling to survive. Oh, yeah, we can do. Okay, so. He Here's two films I want to sort of take from. Um, there was a Ryan Reynolds film called... Buried? Buried, yes. Yeah. Where 
you know, incredibly claustrophobic. It's just Ryan Reynolds in a coffin for two hours, basically. Uh, And the camera's right in there inside that coffin as well. So we can uh, pick and choose bits from that and sort of show that isolation, the fact that he's trapped, that the fact that, you know, at any second, amp up the tension there. That's where we get those shrieking, yeah, sharp violins from. There's Yeah, exactly. There's this moment where, like, you're so close, you can feel the guy breathing on the lens. Yeah, and, yeah. And, like, you can feel his heart pounding. Yep. And he's just, like, he's there's this, like... And from, from a, a, a standpoint of a film where, up until that point, it, it's all just been running. It's all been action. It's yep. all been momentum. Yep. We have this great sort of contrast of him trying to be as still as possible yep. because his, his, his life depends on it. Yeah, and I also think the other film we need to take from, and I mean, it's not just one film, but the prominent example I can think of is the uh, Towards the End of Children of Men, the single camera the one shot. action sequence. Yeah, the, the, the Spielberg one shot, um, which I think he did in Saving Private Ryan and uh, Alfonso Cuaron did in Children of Men. We do need that scene where he runs. he's running through a battle and just stuff is happening all around him. Camera's kind of circling around him and we do it all in one in one shot because one shot's prove that you are a very classy and <laughs> high-end film studio. Yes. And, you know, Danny Boyle will be up for that. He's, he's uh, I'm sure he can he can pull off a... I've never seen him do a one-shot, actually. Uh, I, I, I mean, that's probably all we need to get him on board. It's like, yeah, you've yeah. Done, you've done so much, Danny Boyle. You've, yep. you know, made 28 Days Later, you've made Sunshine, you directed the Olympics open se- opening it's ceremony. true, did too, yeah. But have you ever done a one-shot? Yeah. of a Greek battle. Have you? Exactly. Um, with, with a, exactly. Can we add in a little bit of sunshine in there? Should should the sun be an ominous kind of force at times or a... Uh, a, a I think so. Maybe, like, maybe he, he mistakes the sun for a god at some point. I think, I think at some point there's, there's a lot of... Um, we weave in quite a lot of the Greek mythology yep. around his hallucinations. Yeah. When um, so obviously we'll have Hermes as like the, the main guy. Yep. But Apollo, I think, is um, the the god of the sun. Yep. Um, and uh, there's you know a whole bunch of other ones yep. that I could name. But uh, do you know who I want to play our main character as well? Who's that? Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Yeah. He's, he's a bit older than I thought. I thought could could he run? For for four days straight, he's fresh off the latest Bond film. I, I be... feel as though he's more of like the the leader of the Athenian army, the, oh, yeah. the grizzled old general, yep. rather than the the young plucky boy who they choose to go. You are the only person who who was fit enough, who was young enough, yeah, to yeah. to make this incredible incredible run. All right, so if we're going for young talent, we always have a problem with young talent. Yeah, because we can't cast Tom Holland every <laughs> week, even though we want to. You know, Tom Holland was meant. To be 1917 as well. Oh, really? They would have would have given him a chance to actually use his real <laughs> accent, uh, but no, he's not in it. I don't think. Uh, well, I mean, do we pull? We can pull from 1917, but that's a bit on the nose. Yeah. What about um? What about uh, Jamie Bell? I think Jamie Bell's got to be about getting, 35 now, doesn't really? he? Like he's, no. he's getting up there. He. I mean, he still looks like he still looks very young, doesn't he? He's he's but isn't he like just an. He's thirty three. Yeah. There you go. He's a grown up Tom Holland. <laughs> who, who else have we got in there? <laughs> Even like I, I'm trying to think. Andrew Garfield. Like no, no I don't the, want Andrew Garfield this in the is film. Spider Man problem again. Exactly. We we, every time we bring up Tom Holland, we just have to go. Uh, what's what's uh, what's Toby Maguire doing? Toby Maguire up to. <laughs> can he do a, can he do an Athenian accent? Uh, <laughs> what is an Athenian accent? Are we going to be about um, Ansel Elgort? Ansel Elgort. Yeah, I I like him. I think he could do quite well. 
I've never heard. I've never heard him do an accent. Oh, there's also one of our favorites, um, uh, Taron Egerton. Taron Egerton. Yeah, he's, I feel as though Taron Egerton and Danny Boyle would uh, hand in hand. Surely. Yeah. Why, why not? Yeah. He's he's due for a, a good. I think he just he's just come off uh, Rocket Man, the Elton John and true, biopic, true. and I think um, like his film series, The Kingsman, yep. has had a World War One like reboot as That's well. That's true. So, yeah, like you know, it's going back and doing the historical thing. Yep. Sure. Let's let's get yeah, him yeah. involved. He's he's quite a good. Uh, he throws himself into the role as well. I'm sure he'd be up for hallucinating, bloodstained, uh, you know, problem ridden human who's run too far. Uh, you know what's kind of interesting as well about this story because it's it is as the Hobbit says there and back again. <laughs> yeah, we can do this clever writing thing where the the journey there he kind of encounters like these problems that he kind of has to deal with. Yep. But then on the journey back, it's the same problems but just like escalated. Oh yeah. And like you get to see the ramifications <laughs> of everything that he went through the first time, like a video game. Yeah, yeah a little bit, a little bit. Um, like. Like a level of a video game. Yep. Where I'm not sure on video game levels you go back later and find the, the some, whole thing yeah, smashed some, up. Some Maybe. So stylistically as well, I think we should always film him going in one direction when he's going there yes. and then in the other direction when he's coming back. Oh, look, you know, leave it to... Leave it to Danny, Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle knows he knows how to doing. swing a camera around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do we need to cast anyone else? I mean, there's going to be a I ton of extras. James Franco as Hermes, I believe. I oh, think yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, he, I like He's that. a bit quippy. He's a bit sort of like yep. irreverent. Yep. That'll work. Looks like some, he's some of the other gods. Uh, I was watching something today and someone mentioned Julia Roberts and I'm like, oh, she could be, you know, like Hera yeah. is one of the, or even Athena or yep. Yep. any one of those wise uh, Greek gods sure. I think she could play. Yep. Um, we might as well get Colin Firth in there to be <laughs> one of the generals who tells, tells him, you know, what to do alongside yeah. Daniel Craig. In, in his normal British accent as well. So, I mean, well, D- Daniel Craig maybe is... Um, king of Sparta. Yeah, and we'll, we'll put Colin Firth as the the king of the he's, Athenians. I actually don't think the Athenians had a king. Daniel Craig could be pretty Sparta-ish. Again, we'll get him just as he's coming off the Bond set, so he's, he's nice and ripped and yeah, and you know, athletic and and, and, and just hates making films. <laughs> <laughs> Bond will do that to you. Yeah, he, he we'll, will, we'll, we'll we'll sell him on. It's you, a cameo. You don't have to do any of the marketing to a uh, Daniel. Yeah, that's right. I know that's, that's probably the thing that kills you the and, most. And is- you won't have to come back to play the same character in, in four more films. Uh, this is a one-shot deal, and it's it's independent. It's it's historical drama. You'd love it. It's got nothing, no gadgets, no weird sexual, you know, yeah, prob- issues. Uh, it's just one shot. You know, it, it'd be like when you played the Stormtrooper in Star Wars, right? Exactly. Like, you can wear a helmet for most of it and uh, you can just phone it in. <laughs> it's all good. We just need you on the set looking uh, as ripped as you do when you're playing Bond and we'll be fine. Done deal. And we're reuniting you with Danny Boyle, who you worked with once for the Olympic Games. Did Danny Boyle pull out of the most recent Bond? He did, yes. Who's doing that one now? Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's uh, the guy that directed Maniac on Netflix and uh, also did true detective okay uh who's not incredibly well known but very stylistically interesting um so yeah there you go danny boyle daniel craig colin firth taron edgerton and uh james franco julia roberts and julia roberts there you go that's a great cast i think that'll work that is great all right and the film's called four 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 ninety or four thirty four twenty somewhere (laughs) four ninety it is it's four ninety actually meant to be 490 bc but we'll leave it up to the cleverness of the audience to Ooh, figure yeah. out that it is a bc pick not a a 
D pick. <laughs> Maybe we'll do the sequel, which is the AD. I'm not sure anything was happening in 420 AD, but well, 490. You mean? 490, uh, yeah. I mean, we'll dig up something, and then we we will have to get Daniel Craig back. So yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll, but you know, as as I think Daniel Craig proves, so long as you throw enough money at him, if the second that's time, right, yeah, he'll, yeah. he'll come back for that's, any sequel. Yeah, exactly. So. I think uh, we'll just have to sneak in the fact that this is a multi-picture deal, but we'll just say to him, look, it's a historical biopic, really. Like, yeah, how, how could you possibly come back? That we bring it back. Yeah, 490 BC. 490 AD, <laughs> playing the can't play the same character. No, though. the great, 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 great grandson. Yeah, yep. of oh. King. It wasn't Leonidas at that point, but sure, Who why not? Cares? And like, also, I believe the Spartans had a duarchy, so instead of yep. a monarchy, they had two kings. Oh wow! So, okay, so maybe he can be the one who was like you know slightly less involved. Yeah. So. Look, you've you've basically whatever facts you've like rattled off to me during this episode, I've believed sure. like, without any sense well, I of doubt. Said triarchy you could have said triarchy. You could have said anything. I am as gullible as the audience that we're going to show this picture to. So historical accuracy does not. If you can make a film like Three Hundred, that uh, people sometimes so, mistake so for this actual is, historical. It is. This is the problem. Like the actual battle of Thermopylae. Yeah. Is so much more interesting than the stylized garbage that they threw at us with uh, with 300. I was so disappointed because it is one of history's greatest f- battles. Yeah. And then it's like putting all these goblin creatures. And, yeah. Like, you don't need that. It's so, no. it's so great on its own. Exactly. Look, we'll have Danny Boyle instead of Zack Snyder. So, yeah. It's, so it's, it's going to go less. well. It's going mean, to go well. We still need to spray paint on some abs, but a lot less <laughs> slow-mo action. So... <laughs> Uh, all right, I think that's a wrap on 490. Housekeeping, as per usual, we are online at moviefilmstudios.net where you can find all of our episodes, our bios, and Mephizawidada, the database of films that we've made on this podcast. If you're on social media like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or YouTube or any of the other ones, uh, we're on there somewhere. We do animated snippets from um, episodes that we chuck on Facebook. We do... Uh, tweets sometimes and uh if you need to know when the podcast is out we also dump information on it there as well if you have people in your life that have run way too far and need a bit of a break how about you sit them in front of our podcast we're available on spotify podbean apple itunes youtube our website of course and pretty much any other place that you get podcasts from and i think that's it all that remains is to once again thank you for listening this week i've been isaac and i've been aj roll credits (laughs) 